0: From Martha HQ on Juno Avenue in fine, it's fine, St. Paul, Minnesota, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development.
1: I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games.
0: I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are video game merchandise and starting a game already. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. So, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but... We're still in Martha's basement. Yeah,
2: (laughs) we've been trapped here for a week. (laughs) This is the only way we can talk to the outside world. (laughs) Yes, please send crackers.
1: (laughs) Hey, that's yeah. I I've got graham crackers. (laughs) You do have food.
0: (laughs) No, but for real, though, this place is nice. It is. It does. I said it in the last
2: episode, but it sort. It feels enough like home, mm-hmm. and it's a different. It's a different kind of cozy. Yeah, and we're in this like basement. <laughs> it's actually and it's, warm. Yeah, it's yes. a furnished basements. <laughs> we're around a different table, but it's like a nice
0: sort of.
1: It's my great grandmother's table. Yeah, it's, or it's pretty cool. Warmer, great grandma.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Another news, St. Paul is the most amazing city. It no, is. It's no. true. No. Well, your Mark intro says otherwise. Yeah, I feel tricked <laughs> because Mark put that in the script. Because I tricked you. <laughs> <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> it, it's did. No, it's more than fine, y'all. St. Paul is great.
2: Well, this is the argument we have about St. Paul and Minneapolis. For those of you who are not from the Twin Cities, <laughs> yes. um, Minneapolis is fun and St. Paul is boring
0: and we don't actually disagree about it. <laughs> no.
1: That. Hey. I (laughs) decided Saint Paul is great.
0: (laughs) No, Saint Paul has some events and things like we have the the Twin Cities Jazz Festival and stuff that I like to go to every Mm -hmm. year. And
1: the Center for Irish Music is here. Yeah. And Cecil's Deli is here. Okay, Cecil's
0: Deli is here. I'll give you that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah. 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 But like I like it because it feels like a home away from home sort of thing. Like if I don't want to deal with all of the Minneapolis nonsense, I can just come to my, my place in St. <laughs> Paul. If it's just too
2: fast paced for
0: you. Yeah. Then you can just relax in St. Paul. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I don't know. I, I like it that way.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know. I live in Minneapolis, so I'm, I love Minneapolis, mm-hmm. but I like that the, there's enough riverside in Minneapolis, but in St. Paul, the river goes through downtown and then you really can't get at to it. So it feels, St. Sure. Paul feels like just, I don't know. It doesn't feel as, doesn't seem like it has as many lakes. Mm-hmm. There's many parks. Mm-hmm. Um, downtown is interesting. It's impossible to get around. Yeah, but it's well, it's also like totally deserted after seven. But
1: except for when Pokemon Go came out, that's and right. then yeah. it was like the happen happened in place. Cause, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What was it? When is it Rice Park or something? There was like a, a pot one like lots of nests, and so people yeah. would just wow. swarm <laughs> downtown St. Paul.
2: Goodness. for those couple months yeah <laughs> well that tells that says everything it's the only nightlife in a year or more in st paul it was it was the launch meet week of pokemon hey. Hey.
0: if you're looking for a nightlife in your city place i guess yeah minneapolis is fine i suppose like i'm i don't even leave my house like i'm I'm a boring <laughs> person who stays indoors all the
2: time I, I don't know why i'm making that the point but <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that just seems strange but okay that, that's that's the bed we made but here we are in st paul in <laughs> yes. martha's basement yes. and it, it's nice it's just, I'm still in St. Paul, so it's not, not the best. Goodness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in other news, uh, Glitch Events are back up.
2: Uh, yes, it's
0: February now. Yes, so. in January we had the immersion program going on, and we also had the Global Game Jam that we had an episode on uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now the Glitch Events are back, um, and there's a new one called Tabletop Tour. Yeah, my wife Dale hosts that one.
1: Yeah. Yay. It's was really fun.
0: Good. We it just happened, so you missed it. But come to the next <laughs> one. Uh, it, I think it's March second. It's the it, first Friday of every month. My first Friday of every month. I think yeah. I think the next one is March second. But yeah, it was a good time. We had uh, what? What was that game we played with the animals? It's like was like, evolution. No, no, it has a funny. Something. It's like Fright Night or something. Yeah, it's like a it's like a deduction social deduction game. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of lying in it. I didn't quite understand what was going on. Is that the one Yuchi okay.
2: was running? Yes. Where uh, I, I was hearing, I was uh, on the other side of the room when you guys were playing that. Yeah. And I just heard people like um, Yuchi was describing, like, close your eyes, open your eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. say this. And
0: everybody was kind of confused, but they seemed to be having a lot of fun. I was confused the whole time. Yeah. I still had a good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, Mark will be uh, doing VR Night and Martha will be there. I was just there. Right. When this episode comes Probably. out, really? it, have happened to th- it would have been just
2: a couple days ago you'd yes. missed VR Night. Uh, where Martha, you, and your brother brought your VR experiment. And I'm sure it went just fine. I'm certain it <laughs> did.
0: <laughs> oh, calendar, man. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: VR night is the second Friday of every month, and that's back now, so you'll be able to catch it in March if we missed you last week.
1: Yeah. Um, And coming up, nope, this will still be the week before, but uh, uh, D&D night is back. That's right,
0: yes. you missed that one, too, um, <laughs> if you weren't there. Also um, great. <laughs> yeah, I remember all of that,
2: mm-hmm. fun times. Yeah, that's <laughs> upcoming for us. And Martha, you'll be back doing Mouse Guard? Yep. Oh, yeah.
1: Got some cool stuff planned. So uh-huh. hopefully you were there for that and for next month. So. Yeah.
2: Cool deal. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's just one month of no glitch events and like you really miss them.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. It's good to have them for sure. Yeah, yeah. In addition to that, there are two games coming out uh, in, in from Minnesota that will be released this week, if my calendar math is right. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Verdant Skies and Newt One. They uh, both come out on Valentine's Day? No. Uh, so, Verdant Skies comes out February 12th. Okay, so that is, is you'll. it just came out. Yes, it came out yesterday. Right. And Newt 1 comes out tomorrow. Right. As you're listening to this, yes. those games are, you know, uh, hot out of the oven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have links to them, and uh, I think we're planning on uh, having them as nice plays. So, look for yeah. those episodes as well, so you, yeah. can get a, you can get a preview of what the
2: games are all about. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Like Those are... Uh, uh, we've had, you know, we've had some releases locally in the past year, but those are might be the biggest ones, mm-hmm. at least in the last couple of months. Like it feels it's nice to see them finally get out there. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully it bodes well for a twenty eighteen of uh Minneapolis games. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And we've had both of those groups on or people from those groups on. That's right. Um a past episode. So look back for the courts talking about Steam Greenlight, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, and uh dev. Talking about nonviolence and
2: games. That's right. But it's that green light episode still good because uh, uh, Baby Gabe was also a guest on the yeah. episode. <laughs> so you can hear him in there. That's our very second episode. Yeah. Um, but then the one with Dev, that wasn't too long ago, but I've lost all sense of when we did episodes. So uh, we'll post links to both of those. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we
0: have topics for you. We have topics today? Yeah. Whoa. I know.
2: <laughs> you can
1: in addition to buying these uh, games oh no. oh <laughs> <laughs> You can also buy cool merchandise. I don't know.
2: Oh, they were you didn't even do a pun to that one.
1: Wait, what would the pun be?
2: What that's your job.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. Um
2: <laughs> everyone, this is really getting led into Martha's process.
1: Uh <laughs> uh, uh something about um <laughs>
2: Stephen, you're editing this episode, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna leave all this in, right? Of course. Okay.
1: No. <laughs> this is supposed to be having all of Stephen's outtakes at the end, not having Martha outtakes at the end.
0: <laughs> well, yours going to be in the actual episode, and then never mind. <laughs> uh, video game merchandise is the topic.
2: Yeah, this is my topic. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about this because. Um it's as indie developers we you know it's a fantasy just to get our game out there and sold to people right but as consumers you know like we all have our extra material right? Like, I mean, uh, Steven, you and I are big Nintendo fans. Uh-huh. And so we were, we were, brainstorming a couple of these. We have mostly Nintendo things. To talk yeah. about. Um, but, um, people to, what ancillary material. We don't want people to buy. Um, uh, Sony just announced they licensed a lot of their characters to little figurines that people are comparing to Amiibo. Oh, and, oh, yeah. and so like, um, and certainly, uh, it's just more acceptable for adults now to have toys, <laughs> I think. I'm not sure if it ever wasn't acceptable, mm. but it seems to be less, um, uh, we less derided. We just don't hide it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to talk, you know, just a little bit of fun talking about the things we enjoyed as children mm. um, and then also the things that we sort of still keep around and mm. then talk a little bit about as developers if that's part of our either our strategy or our hopes and dreams. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I want to do is like, yeah, let's just talk about what we liked as kids because, uh, you know, uh, just tripped on memory lane. Sure. Stephen, why don't you go first? Like, what did you? What
0: uh, video game merch yeah. did you have as a kid? I have a story. Yeah, about this this uh-huh. the this, this shirt that I have. So uh, I think we were into some GameStop. I don't know why we were at a GameStop. Probably just to buy a game. I don't know. Uh, but they were having a Donkey Konga two competition. I don't know if those those of you have heard of Donkey Konga. That is you, a game. Where you, oh, you
1: get to play on the con on yeah. the little drums.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I had the first Donkey Konga. Um, and I played that quite a lot. So I was like, I got this. The weird thing about Donkey Konga Two is that they have like contemporary music, regular music, regular music. Like <laughs> the first Donkey Kong, the first Donkey Konga had like a lot of licensed Nintendo products and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think Donkey Konga Two had like Coldplay or something. Weird. I know it was very strange. It's so, it's so unusual. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyways, there was a there was a Donkey Konga competition. So I I was very familiar with Donkey Konga. Um, and I wanted to enter this competition because so like I can win this thing. The first prize was a Nintendo hoodie. It's like, I got this. So I did this and I got more. I was going against this uh, younger kid. I think I was like, I want to say I was 10 or something. And this kid was like maybe six or something. I was going and I, and I had more points and everything. I was winning. But at the end, this was something that was different from Donkey Kong or different in Donkey Konga 2. There's this like rock, paper, scissors competition. So the more you hit the when you hit the bongo, it changes the uh, the um, your, your rock, paper, scissors symbol. Um, and I didn't know that. So like, I was just hitting it really fast and the kid, I think the kid knew this already. So like he was, he was, uh, he was like, hey, I got this, and then he got the right, I, he must have got scissors, and I picked paper or something, and then I ended up losing, even though I had no other points at the, at the beginning. Oh, uh, the world's yeah. not fair. Right? Why can't you just beat a six-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I ended up winning second place, and I got a Nintendo shirt, and I was like, yeah, I won this thing. So I didn't care that much. What was I, on I the shirt? Of, uh, it's just, it's got, um uh, like a stylized d-pad nintendo d-pad on. oh okay cool it's really neat mm-hmm. um it's old though like it's ripped <laughs> up and torn at this point yeah that's why it's not like my favorite anymore because i can barely wear it without like feeling like it's going to explode <laughs> but
2: you're not going to throw it away
0: no yeah yeah <laughs> it's important important to me <laughs> i have a t-shirt like that when i was 11 i went
2: I had a birthday party at a laser tag place yeah in the mall of america mm-hmm. called starbase omega oh okay you guys you might be too young for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a t-shirt as part of like the birthday package Mm. and I wore it into college and it's all torn up and, uh, you know, a little small for me now. Yeah. Uh, But I I haven't thrown it away. Yeah. (laughs) I still hold on to it. Right. (laughs) You got to hold on to your childhood. Yeah. Um. Uh, My childhood things. um, I, um, I'm a little older than you guys. And so I uh, was around uh, when Super Mario 3 launched in 1990 Mm. and I got the Happy Meal toys oh yeah there was a variety of them and you can find them on ebay because they they they, the, uh, they sold so many of them so they're still around mm-hmm. um but uh, the one i there's two i remember specifically one was the mario one where um it was like mario in kind of a jumping pose and it had like a um like a suction cup and a spring oh. so you'd, you'd press it this is not an uncommon type of toy but yeah. you press them down onto the table and then it would go click and then you then you look at it and like six seconds later Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would fly off. And that was, I mean, it was a silly toy, but it was Mario jumping, right? Uh-huh. So it made sense. But the the one I really liked was the uh, Koopa Troopa or Koopa Paratroopa. Uh-huh. It was a little Koopa. And it was actually really well modeled. It's a cool little toy. And then it had wings that flapped, uh, little plastic wings. But the way you flapped it, it had uh, in the back, you could plug in a little tube. And it had like a little uh, uh, squeezy puff thing. Oh, And then so you would squeeze it and it would flap its wings. Okay. And I was like playing with that little yeah. dude. Like,
0: just that the, sounds like something you just mess around with when you're, when you're bored. Yeah. It's
2: like a stress thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think I probably still have the, the most of that cause it was pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I probably have some of that in my parents' basement, but like I think about that sometimes like, I should, cause it still looks good. It would still yeah. look good on a desk, you know? Cool. But those, yeah, those are the ones I remember specifically Mario three when it came out, like, I mean, I was a big Mario fan mm. and, but I was, I was seven years old when that came out and I re- I remember going to the mall, seeing the advertisements at the store. It was the same store I bought mist at like oh, wow. I, at, in the Burnsville mall. I remember all these details mm-hmm. and just seeing the poster for it and getting it for my birthday and the the yellow, like the, the yellow of the box arts and all the little sense memories I have. I don't have much other memories of like of specific things about civic games mm-hmm. and that and like, I'm not the biggest Mario three fan. It just was like the right time in my life yeah. to like, to get, have those memories, yeah, you know, and the hack meal toys were definitely part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's sweet. Mm mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I was so into Pokemon, yeah, and, like all the stuff for Pokemon. Getting Pokemon cards, having Pokemon little figures. I had two Pokemon shirts: a Togepi shirt and a uh, Blastoise shirt. And I was really mad because my dog at the time we had just gotten her, and she was a super rambunctious puppy. And uh, it must have been a little bit after that because she had grown up a little enough to have this happened where i was climbing on the little jungle gym thing we had in our backyard mm-hmm. and she was like oh my gosh kid play time yay and like ran at me and like Whoa. jumped up and was like yeah and like her claws went into the back of my shirt oh, and like ripped oh. my tokepi shirt and i was oh, no. so i'm so mad oh, <laughs>
0: <that's>
1: <laughs> yeah and she, drew, she, she was just playing so yeah it was, she didn't mean to do it mm-hmm. right um but yeah, I was mad my before took the shirt. Um, but yeah, I was so into, into all that stuff that I wouldn't make my own. So I, I would make, uh, I liked playing with Sculpey clay. And so I'd make my own Pokemon figurines with it. And then, um, for some reason, my aunt really wanted us to get into stamp collecting. Mm. And so she would buy us these stamps and which me and Henry did not care about, but they came on these really great pieces of cardboard that yeah. were white on one side and like not not too thick but thick enough that like they won't, were sturdy enough to not fall apart if you played with them a bunch so we would cut them into fourths and t- like draw pokemon cards on them mm-hmm. and it was so much fun
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a lot of pokemon merchandise too yeah uh we used to like we had like a whole lore thing going on with the pokemon toys that we would play with i'm not going to get into it now because it's <laughs> It's a whole, it's an epic story in it. And we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> also, you don't think we could handle it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bit much. It's a little mature for y'all. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, it's, it's
2: something you both talk about making your own. Right? Yeah. Cause like I did, I, I was, I always had a sketch pad when I was a kid and I was, uh-huh. I was drawing and, and I did draw a lot of video game characters, the ones I really liked. And um, I think that like having an ancillary market, like toys and things like that, it, it, uh, and the same is true of like Ninja Turtles or other things like that it um, it sort of invades your imagination and it, it, it uh, spurs your creativity yeah. but also influences it uh-huh. in a way that's really interesting you think about like uh, we as adults are like oh we want to have creative things for kids we should give like Nintendo Labo is a great example of something coming up but at the same time kids kind of want their licensed characters and that helps them with their own imagination. And we always want to do like, let's give them science kits and things like that. Like, so they come up with their own ideas, but that's not always the best way yeah. to, cause I just thinking of the way I, you know, the thing that it's things that inspired me and the things that got me interested in making my own stuff was, was always derivative on something else it's cause it was, and that's, you know, it's just like when you uh, take a code snippet and then write your own from it. It's, it's uh, creativity is helped by uh, templates and things that go on. And mm-hmm. so like, there's a, like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's money making and it's, just, it, but it's also like, it is a valuable part of the way you interact with this medium in a way that is, uh, it can be really positive and fun. You yeah. Know? Um, at least looking at it from that angle, because <laughs> there's other ways to look at it. Certainly. Um, but yeah, just hearing you both talk about how you took that and then made something bigger out of it for yourself uh, is really inspiring. And like, that's why I think like I would love if I made a game that could do that for somebody. Like not necessarily yeah. even a kid, but just for anybody. Like if yeah. it had that, if it could have that dimension to it. So uh, we'll talk about how we want to do that, but I do want to get to first, what what's on your desk now? Like what as adults, uh, what do you still hold on to uh, for uh, for merch? I got a bunch of Kirby plushies. Yeah. They're,
1: They're so, right. so great. <laughs> <laughs> They're
0: nice. I think it's I a good have story a... too. Oh yeah. Well, um, um, Mark got me. Oh right. So, okay. I, okay. I used to have, I bought a Kirby plushie from one of the um, uh, uh, events we have here in, in Minnesota. Like a basketball-sized one. It was real. yeah, it was yeah. pretty big. But then I donated it because I didn't know where to put it, and I figured that maybe a kid would want it better or have a better time with it. There's a picture of you putting it in the box. Yeah, actually, I think it's on our website. Oh, is it? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah it's the photo we use of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can see the, the joy in your eyes of the uh, act of giving, but also the pain of getting rid of it. <laughs> All of that for in one
0: picture. <laughs> I think that was Katie who took that picture. Yeah, excellent photographer. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, Mark got me uh, a smaller Kirby that fits perfectly on my desk. Now, this is really great, and I, I like that one. Yeah. It's my favorite one. It's just vanilla Kirby. Yeah, it's just Kirby. Right. Yep. And uh, so uh, Ava, who we've had on the show before, she went to uh, to to New York and went to the Nintendo store and uh there were a bunch of kirby plushies and she took a whole bunch of pictures of them she's like "Stephen, which ones do you want and i was i was i was sitting there going all of them <laughs> <laughs> but i mean I, I i can't afford to get all of them so she um she just bought me uh, a couple of them. i got a hammer kirby mm-hmm. and i got a, a cook kirby yeah and they they they're cute too and now you have them all on your desk yep and i call it the kirby corner <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a picture of it on, on social media. If not, I'll, I'll take a picture and shout it to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, at my glitch,
2: or my desk at Glitch, I have, I have a bunch of things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Ava was in New York, she asked me what I wanted and I'm like, anything Luigi. <laughs> and she got me a little baby Luigi. Yeah. It's this cute little guy and uh, I there's a little like uh, crevice in the wall near my desk and I just stuck him in there and he just looks over at my desk. Yeah. Goes, it's perfect. Are you doing work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love that. Yeah, she got, a, and she got like a ton of, she like basically emptied her wallet. Like mm. <laughs> getting merch for for herself and for others yeah oh really yeah cool. she
0: had like a giant bag of pokemon plushies
2: yeah that she was just giving to people <laughs> and like i say if you ever go to new york the nintendo world store is i've been there and they change it it's really different now from the when i was there a long oh, time yeah. ago but like it's a cool little it's like a tiny little nintendo disneyland that, they have like demos and then, it, and then a lot of merch and a lot of it is stuff you could buy other places, but a lot of stuff that you can't buy anywhere else. Oh. Uh, either at the mail order or it's stuff that's common in Japanese toy stores, but not yeah. in American yeah. uh, stores and then tons of shirts and stuff. And they also, that's where they keep the, um, the golf war game boy. Oh, you guys know that story. No. So um, g- the game boy is famously durable, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in, I uh, think it was 91. Oh, well, it had to have been um, a soldier had one and was in a bombing raid and uh, it, it got damaged and it looks all melted and it works. And uh-huh. so they ha- they have it on display at the Nintendo World oh, Store running Tetris because oh. these all these years later it still works. The thing's like melted, and there's photos of it online. Yeah, I've
0: I've seen that before. I didn't know it was at the, the, the yeah Nintendo they World have store. um pu- uh, I'm not sure
2: how much of it's on display yeah. at this point because mm-hmm. they rotate it. So because it's a little like it's a little museum, but it's you know it's a store, so they yeah. do whatever they want. But yeah. they also have like um. Uh, prototypes for the NES that looked like a like it looks like more like a Commodore 64 came with a keyboard Uh and a tape deck Uh like like the computers in the 80s very frequently did Um, because uh, certainly when when um, uh, when the video game market crashed in 83 and Nintendo wanted to break in Into America, they're like, we need to make it like a computer. That's why the NES is gray and boring looking. Ah. But they tried a couple of things, including what like Commodore and Atari were doing, which was making what they would sell as PCs, and you could actually run. They they shift with compilers and like uh, uh, command line interfaces and work computers Mm -hmm. uh, as well as, but mostly you just bought cartridges for them and play games. Um, But Nintendo toyed with that as an idea for the NES. Um, certainly the Famicom disk system in Japan is somewhat in that direction that never got released here. But it's just seeing all those like prototypes and interesting things is really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and they have a bunch of things signed by Miyamoto of course under glass Aww.
0: like, <laughs> like the millionth
2: GameCube or something like that. Like, that's, that's. But the Golf uh, War Game Boy is very famous. and it's, always, I've always you know, wanted to go to that store. And I, I went on a whole tear about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you also have that uh, that uh, Penguin plushie. That you like bring with oh, you that's everywhere. Right. <laughs> so I have this red Pikmin plushie that I bought mm-hmm.
2: at Two um, D Con. Con, which is a local convention. And uh, r- uh, my game Metro Nexus, like red is its main color. It's like the brand color for that game. And so I, I bought a plushie and I, I I tape them to the side of a, my my television when I d- demo the game, uh, just to sort of like be cute. And I really love that thing. But it's funny because it's it sits in the suitcase where all my demo stuff is. Oh, so I don't, I don't (laughs) have it. It's, it's purely to show off my game. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's its purpose. But I have a couple of things. I have a tails plush Mm -hmm. that I just bought randomly that I keep on my lamp at glitch. And I like, I don't know, as I've gotten older, I've just, I'm like embracing cute little knickknacks in a way that I think, when I was 24, I wouldn't have been maybe as excited about. Well, I'm I'm 25. I know <laughs> we're different people. Yeah, I, like I have a bunch of amiibo that I uh-huh. I just because you know a bunch of Mario amiibo I keep on my desk and just little trinkets like that. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like and mostly Nintendo stuff. Yeah,
0: you know? um, uh, Nintendo. <laughs>
2: I have, uh, I've told you and you're jealous. I have a Euro Luigi coin. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, I I have that at home though because I don't want anyone to steal it. Mm, Yeah, you shouldn't bring that to the office. (laughs) I feel like this question is so easy to answer for Nintendo fans, but uh, Martha, you're not as big a Nintendo uh, devotee as we are. I mean. I mean, Pokemon, I guess. Yeah. But what do you keep around now?
1: Um. Well, I I was going to talk about the Pikmin thing because I also have I also at that same convention bought oh, you a, did? a Pikmin. Oh, lovely! Oh. Even though I never played that game, but I always wanted to, mm-hmm. and I just think they're so cute. Um, yeah. what else you gotta do put I Pikmin have? Three
2: on the Switch. Yeah, <gasps> yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 I have some little uh, Minecraft things little Minecraft figures that we bought at Target one night when we were just like stressed out and we we're like okay <laughs> we're going to get something fun because we're stressed and so <laughs> we got these uh little Minecraft guys and they're really cute. Mm-hmm. Mostly now I buy like posters and like little pins and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're pin crazy.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm super I'm oh my god, it's bad. It's t- <laughs> <laughs> ah um yeah, oh I got these really cool uh Like I love when artists do fan art, like indie artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got these different um, little zines of Pokemon, like as if they're a field guide to animals or something like that. So Mm -hmm. there are like scientific quote unquote notes about each species. And they're like drawn in the style of like old field guides. Oh Um, snap,
0: that's cool. Yeah, they're super cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I think like, fan art and stuff that's a little bit that has a bit of uh a, a things to do with like this this kind of thing because i think that like if your if your game is popular enough and like it has characters that people can get attached to and things there will often be like drawings and maybe someone will make a plushie or something of your of your characters and stuff mm-hmm. and i think that's really cool too i just know that like it's difficult especially as an indie game developer to like try to sell these things because um, there's 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 copyright laws and stuff you have to pay attention to but also like it's expensive right to make these things and yeah, ship them to people yeah. and stuff.
2: It's common to and this is true of like other types of indie uh, merch, mm-hmm. right? Like indie bands, indie filmmakers, uh, you know. Um is to do things like stickers yeah, and pins and things that are affordable to make cheaply and a lot of, and then not sell many and not feel like you wasted a ton of money. Yeah, um, but I always, you always want to like, man, what could you do if you had more?
1: Uh, ah, yeah. that's why. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this because I've been going on when I've been going on buying pins and stuff or like other things. Um, there's these sites that have like multiple different creators putting all their stuff on at once. So like yeah. Tapato is where most of the the indie comic web comic people have their stuff and now podcasters are starting to have their stuff on this that store too and there's like fan gamer that has ooblets do they have ooblets stuff they've got slime rancher stuff cool and um thimbleweed park stuff oh man there's one thing that they have for thimbleweed park which is super cool Mm -hmm. because in the game there is uh this thimblecon 87 convention (laughs) (laughs) and so they've got like all these shirts that are like all distressed looking as if they're from the eighties and like yeah. su- oh. have survived till now or whatever. Oh. And wow. and then like old posters with like stains on them, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, an old bumper sticker that's like I was at ThimbleCon eighty <laughs> seven, like in the D script basically. Oh lovely. Um, anyway that's a tangent on that. But <laughs> but my idea is that we would like a bunch of indie people from around here would get together and make a merch shop together. Mm-hmm. So you could have like claw breaker pins with like claws that yeah. you could, or, or like color jumper stuff or burnt sky stuff and like have it all in one place so that we wouldn't have to run separate stores. Yeah. You could just oh. have one store architecture.
2: Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. That would be so nice. someone get on that, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I should just do it. You should just do it. <laughs> uh because oh you know what i i just thought of um another uh, this actually might have spurned because sometimes we come up with topics for the show and i don't remember where i came up with it uh-huh. i think i remember why i thought of this one okay was, uh, <laughs> uh, during uh, uh, immersion the latest immersion cohort uh-huh. one of the groups uh, did a game uh, called was it space junk yeah the name yep, it. Yep. and they made uh in the game there's a bunch of uh different pieces of junk that you that the character collects and um they turned them all into stickers and gave them out. And I have one. It's on my laptop right now. And I think that's what I, why I thought about it. Cause like it's, it's sometimes a little low effort thing like that. If you have really great art, like they did, uh, can be really like rewarding to do. In fact, I think the stickers are really high quality. Too. Yeah. Um, I think that it seems kind of scary to like invest, but if it's kind of just for fun and you don't have a lot of like, You know, and you're not trying to do like a fully sculpted 3D or, you know, like plastic figurine or something uh, with different manufacturers. Like, I I do wish that there was more stuff like that. And I, now that I'm like happy collecting toys again as an adult, I kind of want to do it for my uh, projects. Oh
1: my gosh. You could make like all the different ship, uh, the different um, cars. Mm-hmm. You could make stickers.
2: Yeah, I probably could. I, it's one of uh, uh, for Metro Nexus. Each you know the the player character is a different art style in each level. And uh, on my business card, in fact, it has a bunch of different ones uh, as examples. And so they wouldn't actually make good stickers. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hadn't exactly thought of it for yeah. that. But um, so let's get into it. Like of the of the projects you're working on, uh, what kind of merch would you like to do? I mean, have you thought about it? To, you know, of what would be kind of fun to have for Fingence or for your Point and Click, for example?
0: I like plushies. Yeah. I want to make a plushie. Mm-hmm. I want a little submarine <gasps> plushie. Yeah. Yeah. If you've seen the characters in Fingence, they would make good. Or, plushies. oh man, I would love a Gwen plushie. Yeah. Just like, yeah, about the size of my Kirby's. Mm-hmm. And I could put it on my deck. Oh man, <laughs> I want one. Mark, make me one. <laughs> no, I like that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, if we could get, if we could get plushies of characters or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be great. Or, like, if we had, um uh, action figures uh, for these because like mm-hmm. this is a this is an action game so yeah, like, and not all the characters are cutesy like Gwen <laughs> you know what I would like is I would like little figurines of all your
2: enemies oh yeah <gasps> yeah because you know? they're all they're all they, they're menacing but adorable mm. and so I would love like little plastic figurines on stands kind of and you can arrange them on a table yeah that'd be <laughs> pretty cool or like the bosses that have moving parts yes ah, oh, yes into that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have, I mean, we've talked about the, your game a lot, but we mm-hmm. should put some photos in the, in the show notes. Oh, People yeah, can really? Because okay. to- they'll totally get it when they see like, some of the designs that your brother has done mm-hmm. in this game. Like how perfect they would be as little yeah, toys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, um, you know, my game is a l- probably a little drier, even though it has fun different styles and stuff. I think the stickers would be a good idea. But um, I would love to make, because my game is styled like uh, subway wayfinding systems, uh-huh. I would love to actually make signs. Out of my UI components. Yeah, that would be cool. That sounds boring, but that's my kind of. Fun. No, I like that's t- I, I totally would yeah. put one of them on my wall or something. I have like um I, I've designed tons of icons for mm-hmm. the different cities and styles and, and lines and all the different <gasps> things in my game.
1: I would love to have a poster of one of your subway maps. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's I, right now. Um, uh, I, I'm working on um uh city maps for all of. So in my game, the, you 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 play on the real world, and there's a world map, and you go to a city, and then each city has a map. And then there's a bunch of levels in each city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the city map is a simplified version of that city's actual subway map. And that's what I'm working on right now in the game is implementing all of that. And it's been really fun designing them. And it's been the response to it's been really great. So yeah, maybe I should, uh, I can make uh, that into posters or something like that. Po- postcards even. <gasps> something that yeah. makes can uh, cheaply and, and produce. That'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, what would actually be more uh, in the spirit of like toys, it would be, uh, wouldn't it be great to have a sprocket, the ferret plush? <laughs> Yeah, with, but, a little, with a little satchel you can put <gasps> stuff in? Yeah, Oh my
0: gosh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so in our game, Widget Satchel, our yeah. main character is this little uh, purple yeah. ferret who carries around a green satchel mm-hmm. and picks up widgets to build doohickeys. Yes. And people have been really reacting really well to this character and uh, his little ferretiness and he's running around causing mischief. And I think. And the socks. And he's got socks on. That's right. Also has <laughs> socks. Gotta keep those on. I think that would make an excellent plush, and then you could put stuff in that thing, and it would be functional as well.
0: (laughs) We could just sell socks. We just sell, you know, see, we we could, we could, (laughs) because they're just white socks. (laughs) No,
2: no, they're they're mismatched. Oh yeah, one is one is a pale blue, and one is pale pink. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we could do that. Like sprocket was like close enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's thinking efficiently, right? Because we could probably swing that.
0: Yeah, we could. All we'd have to do is get one pair of blue and one pair, and then just mix them. That's all we'd have to do. Boom. <laughs> That's cheap and
2: easy. <laughs> well, see, now we need a place to sell these, Martha. So you got to make that store for us. I
1: know. <laughs> got to do that. Yeah. Maybe I got to talk to Zach. Yeah. Put it on ice cold dot game.
2: Right, right. That would be good. <laughs> uh, they they have pins and stuff that they've made. That they, they do. They yeah. All the things. Yeah. They, I remember uh, them talking about how expensive it was to produce them, though. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it cost them quite a lot. And Aww. I think it was—I think they did it because it was really fun, and why not? And like, I support them in every way <laughs> to do that. But I don't know how practical it is as a, at a low scale. But gotcha. like, I admire that they gave it a go. And like, it, it does when you're showing off your game, and you've got little pins and stuff. Like it, it, it makes it a little more legitimate. to sort of that's it, uh, it doesn't uh, even if you're not going to make money off of it. It does it does work for you. Um. So that's really cool. Yeah. But they have really fun character designs. Mm-hmm. And they, they've made stickers and Definitely. stuff like that as well. So, purple like, purple for the win. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: we have a couple of those stickers on the fridge at Glitch, I think. They've been there for oh, a while. Oh, yeah. Time. I think yeah, so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Those look great.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Martha, in your point point click, we just saw a, a, some screenshots and we're going to talk about those in a bit. But you've got fun little characters that you're yeah. going to be doing, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could do little pins or little stickers, or
2: I would love I, a sticker. For I would characters. love for those characters. They would work really well as like um, like felt <gasps> figurines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. sort of two D. That's good. But would have the, the limbs could move. Yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> dang, little puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: we have to we have to put all these uh, images in the shout out so people can like. <laughs> have the same reaction we're having this, this stuff. Yeah. wouldn't you want to buy this listeners? <laughs> yeah. we're, we're testing the market right now yeah, <laughs> yeah please uh, go to the feedback forum nice feedback,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and tell us what you want
2: to buy from us
0: <laughs> right yeah I think actually you know what I think brought this up is I think someone who was like man we should have nice games club merchandise oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah we have talked about that I did design t-shirts for us but like my
2: idea was silly it, had, it only works as it's just three t-shirts <laughs> one each of our like catchphrases uh, that we do at the end of the show and it wouldn't I don't know that would sell for-
1: <laughs> we need the little Minnesota pins although this could oh, be yeah. for, for just the Minnesota game dev community in general mm-hmm. but then we could have a um, cabbage system uh, what oh yes, the, cabbage, the cab- council? cabbage council <laughs> patches. And I, I'm in favor of that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen that, listener, we did an episode long ago now where we talked about how Martha likes ca- cabbage, and that's ridiculous. And Martha sketched up a little <laughs> <laughs> cabbage council logo. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know. It would be kind of nice if he had some merchandise and
2: stuff. Yeah. Pins, you know, we should pictures. do that Minnesota pin because so if uh, for listeners, you've seen the logo for Nice Games Club, it's that sort of like wireframe Minnesota, and then because that's mm. where we're from, and then the you know the the logo type and all the other the things, but that Minnesota uh, graphic I designed for the Minneapolis game dev Slack channel um, to sort of represent our community because we had one and no- nobody liked it, so um, I thought like, I'll make a new one. Um, but uh, yeah, just that pin alone I think would be really fun. Yeah. We, we can just, we can just basically give it to everybody in the community. Yeah. Like, like you know, like at the Senate, they have a little pin to say like, I'm a senator. <laughs> like, we should do that for people who are in the community. <laughs> we don't need to sell those ones. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be uh, basically, this is just telling me I want more money so I can make merchandise for yeah, yeah. people. Okay, well, (laughs) that's my feelings right now. (laughs) You know, that's a
2: lot of It's like fantasy. It's like what I would do if I had a lot. Yeah, man. This is so true of like when you start a band, you're like, I can't wait to like, what's what I'm going to design my album cover. I'm going to design my t-shirt, you know, all of that stuff. All before
1: you actually start making music. Right, exactly
2: right. (laughs) Yep, yep. Very common. And uh, that kind of thinking is, it's fanciful, but it's also kind of healthy. And, and what I, I think is, um. I want to talk about how it would influence your actual design. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't make sprocket cute. So thinking that we would sell sprocket plushies, but like, it's not uncommon for, for example, my, my contention is games like overwatch mm-hmm. and character based ca- games mm-hmm. are designed to engender fan art, engender, uh, 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 merchandise. And that is part of, goes into the design process. yeah, And I think that's, that can be seen as kind of a cynical attitude, but I I, want to not go in that direction or not make that charge and think about what kind of things you would think of and what decisions you would make or not make. um, If you had that in mind, because like I said earlier, it can be something that really gives extra value to
0: your, your, your art. Right. I think that, I mean, I'm sure that in, in, in some ways that the Overwatch characters and such were probably designed where like, Oh yeah, people love this stuff. Yeah. But like, I think that's a good thing. yeah i don't know like like you were saying earlier like it spurs creativity and um imagination and stuff and i think that's wonderful but uh i don't know uh, have maybe like representation and stuff is important Mm -hmm. like i mean there's a whole bunch of like black panther merchandise and stuff yeah because the movie's coming out soon and i can't wait uh but like that that representation is important And i think that like overwatch has done a decent job with that kind of stuff and that helps that's true yeah. yeah That's so that that's one angle you could you could approach it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um also just making cute things. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's not necessarily the only way to do it, but cute yeah. things are good.
2: Well, I think about cuz for Metro Nexus, mm-hmm. like because your character never looks the same in yeah. each level, yeah. I don't have a canonical character model, right? And that's part of the that's part of the premise of the game. And that's kind of yeah. why when I think about what the sort of core look of it, I think about the menus and the UI system. Yeah. Um and so uh, but when I think about it, like that's why like stickers would work as a set. Yeah. Right? And so um it I think I mean maybe it's just the case that the, all this thinking comes afterwards, but I would be curious to talk to someone who they had it in mind. You yeah. Know? I think for indie devs, especially like it's, it always it's the fantasy, right? You never really, you don't think seriously enough of it to guide your decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of why I'm th- thinking about this as a prompt. Like what is it that would really actually make you change how your game works? Yeah. Um. To, you know, it, it would thinking that I'm going to sell a t-shirt or
0: I'm going to make a, a, I a mean, toy or something. Yeah. I feel like it's largely just art direction and such. Yeah, that's true. And I, I imagine that certain art directions are just, then uh, themselves better for merchandise. Right. Things. Right. So like, If you're considering that, you'll lead towards the the art direction that makes more sense for the merchandise that you want to sell. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I guess if if that's not the kind of game you want to make, then your values probably just don't align that well with that kind of merchandise. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, like if you wanted to make a plush of something, you wouldn't give it like, make it like a super complicated character because it would be hard to make a plush out of like... A yeah. thing with eight arms or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Or this is true when you do a like, character design for animated like cartoons mm. is you think of like how would this be to animate mm. uh, with a time, time, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's sort of things that limit you in that way. Or when you're making a video game and you want to make a character that can do a certain thing that, uh, well, how can I implement this in the engine? That's going to change how the design works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's probably just true of any application
0: of the art you make.
2: So really maybe the question isn't that much different from the other decisions you make
0: about things. Yeah. I do think that almost all games look good on a poster, though. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe scary. not like Tetris, but even te- like well, even- Tetris, Tetris has that famous like,
2: like uh, the the uh, like it's the the box art for the NES version, I uh-huh, think. Yeah, uh, where it's like you're looking up at it at an angle. It's like coming uh, oh, like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a good poster. Okay, I'll take it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: merchandise might be something that you think about when you're starting your game.
2: That's right. Maybe it's the first
0: thing you think about. Maybe it's not. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, right. Yeah. See, now that transition makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> so, Martha. Yeah, right? <laughs> roll the, roll the um, um, So, Martha, you, you just recently started your point and click. Yes. How's that process? I want to hear it's, all about it.
1: It's been going well so far. Um, all I have so far is a scene, uh, with a character and, <laughs> and an object they can pick up and an object they can talk about. Um, and right now it's broken. So when you pick up the object, they also talk about the thing that they can talk about. And when you click on the thing they can talk about, they also pick up the object, but it's fine. Um, it's cause I don't know how to do Unity's event system yet. But I'm working
0: on it. So, like, how did you? How did you? I mean, you had this idea for a while, right? And you and and, and you had thought about like all the different um puzzles you'd want to make and stuff. But how, what what did you decide to start on?
1: Yeah. So I was I've been reading a lot of Ron Gilbert's blog, Grumpy Gamer, mm, okay. um, and also the dev blog for uh Thimbleweed Park, just because like the game the games that influence me are made by him so right. i was like he and his his blogs are really good because he talks a lot about how he, his process and like deep down into how he codes things and stuff okay. um, which is super cool so as i was reading those i was getting like super inspired about like how to structure the game and like what objects i wanted to have or like how i wanted to structure that mm-hmm. He codes all this stuff in his own engine that mm-hmm. he made. Okay. I think he made up the Scum engine originally, or at least helped make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new one for Thimbleweed Park is written in... Like, the scripting language he uses is Squirrel, which is... Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, no. but it's like this really... He He's like, none of the other ones seem to make sense, and this one works really well with my game, so that's <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> okay. But I was like, I'm going to use Unity because... I don't want to write an engine. That's not my right. jam.
2: Well, you know, Unity.
1: Yeah. Well, mostly I'm <laughs> learning, I'm learning, learning more Unity. Cause like the games I've worked on, um, have all either been small or have been, um, using libraries that build on unity. And so I don't, didn't actually learn like the core unity stuff.
2: Right. Right. Um, and as a developer, your JavaScript is your home. That's because you're a web developer.
1: Yes. And now PHP and, Oh, sure. Yeah. Like that. Um, So I don't usually use a lot of C-Sharp in my job. So I've been learning a lot about using that too. Um, Should I talk about like how I structured
2: things? Yeah, I think because one of the, I think one of the reasons why I'm excited about you talking about this is like the early decisions you make and it's different for everybody. So I just said you as a case study is fascinating. Like what were (laughs) the first choices you made to really get it going? And yeah, how you structure it.
1: Okay, so I start. What I started with was just making a bunch of scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I at first I thought that each. I was trying to make it so that I could make one script that I could then add to any object, like make a prefab that any time I needed a uh, object that people could pick up or like a. I had this like key and door sort of uh-huh. idea. So yeah. like, you needed this. Uh, item to give to this person, or you needed to put this item on this thing on the in the world, um, and so I had this idea of having a key script and a lock script. But the, as I was doing that, I was figuring out like, oh, there's like a lot more. Like that's not really going to work that way uh-huh. because sometimes the key, like sometimes a person is the lock. So yeah. like you need to give it to the person? Right. And so I didn't necessarily want to have them have all the lock stuff. Uh-huh. Right, right. Um and then I was trying to figure out like okay, some things are going to be red herrings so they don't need to be linked to another ob- like another object. And so I just decided to make a, just an item script. Right. <laughs> That'll stick on items and whether you can pick them up or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether they uh indicate that the character should talk about them or not, uh-huh. um, and I've started to write dialogue, and I was trying to figure out how to write you know should I put the dialogue outside somehow of the code um, should I have it like hard coded into the actual script files, or should I have them in unity editor windows and what I've ended up with right now is that they're in the unity editor window, and so each item has a uh, array full of, um, or an empty array that you can fill with different lines. Mm-hmm. And then when you click on things on the items that have lines, um, it will cycle through um, the array. Okay. So each time you click on it, it will say a different thing. Cool. And then it will eventually loop back to the first thing.
2: Yeah, that's actually very similar to how I structured the cutscenes in my game. I have a, an object that's a dialogue box. And then it consists of a bunch of multi-level arrays, and then that's where I store the strings. And then yeah, they go through them as you go through the cutscene. So it's a pretty natural structure to put it in. And but I've, I had the same thing. Like, should I? I should be storing it as an external file or as a variable. So I, but I'm like, I am the only one working on this. <laughs> like, it's so. Like, I don't need to have this as a JSON file exactly because it's just text somewhere that I have access to write in. Yeah. I mean, I guess a spell checker would be nice, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It is, yeah, like the, you're talking about like where those pieces go. Yeah. It's really fascinating because those architectural choices you make now are going to like follow you all the way through. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason I thought about doing it this way is because uh, in one of the blog posts I was reading, Ron Gilbert was talking about how they did the dialogue with him, we'd park at first. Mm-hmm. And at first, he just had it literally hard coded into the code because he was like, it's too hard to. Like have an external file and like because we're constantly changing these things and we're going to forget how they all work and we aren't having translators or other people working on it yet so we're just going to have them all in the code Mm -hmm. and then they're versioned and all that's that's all great Mm -hmm. and so I was like well yeah I should just do it the easiest way because I can always change it later so the easiest way is for to just do it in the editor
2: right right yeah you'll probably want to talk to Beth Korth uh, of the Verdant Skies team. Uh, and how she and Andy built the dialogue system in there because yes. they have they have like millions <laughs> of words, <laughs> so many, so many words in yeah. that. And, uh, and I know that she had some. Uh, she talked about in one of the co-op talks, I think, about structuring that a little bit. I didn't get a lot of details from her, but she would be a good person to talk to about that.
1: Yeah, I would love to go through like see how she did it in hers. But like you were were
2: saying that, you know, build it easy now, and then as it gets complicated, then you need to decide when that point becomes, you need to systematize it or whatever.
1: Yeah. That's what I've been finding, like, throughout not just making games, but also all software projects, that everyone wants to make, like, clean code, good code, you know, got to make, you know, architecture correct first so Mm -hmm. that, that you have everything. And I'm like you're going to have to refactor everything you do. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that's going to be like, now we're done and it's done and it's perfect and we'll never change it ever. Like everything and like every choice you make, you're going to have to eventually unmake for some reason. Like the minute you stop working on something, it becomes antiquated or whatever. It's like language. If a language is changing, it means it's alive. Mm. If a software project is changing, it means it's alive. That's a good metaphor.
2: Cause I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of people think about, especially because the way components are built, you think of it like building a house. And one thing on top of the other, but it doesn't work that way at all.
1: But houses don't, <laughs> I have a whole book and I will lend you Mark because houses don't work that way either. I, okay. We think that they do, but yeah. they don't. This is becoming just like Martha's philosophy on life. Yeah. But
2: yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I definitely, uh, when I was starting Metro Nexus, it was very much, because I'm a self-taught programmer. And so I was like, if I, I had to please myself about the rules of programming. But one of the things I learned over time was that like, no one's keeping track of you. <laughs> so you can break all the rules. It's fine. Um, and I I, I talked to like CS students and, and all they want to do is break the rules because they've been drilled the rules into them so hard. Yeah. Whereas I am really like, I think the rules are important because I came out of nowhere and no one, no one forced me to. So I have to like, so it's a weird attitude thing, but I've slowly learned that that exactly thing you said, which is that you're going to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think you're going to. You are going to rewrite it, and so it's 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 a huge weight off your shoulders when you realize it. Like you don't have to think too many steps ahead. Some steps ahead is good, but it's okay because you, especially if you work in you know modern uh, programming languages, and and I think one thing you do want to do is isolate your the the functions, your purpose of your code, um, because you can always gouge out a part, replace it, and then tendril it back to the rest of it relatively easy and unity is pretty good at that most object-oriented languages are you naturally will do stuff like that so you don't have to you can kind of just go for it and and then and then fix all your mistakes later and then ignore the ones you don't want to
0: fix because that's fine too yeah right on 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 the other hand Mm -hmm. i think that i like i I agree with both of you i think that like it you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna want to like the important thing is to get something Going so you can like mess with stuff and yeah. figure out how what works in your game what doesn't. But uh, on the other hand, like if you want to continue on with your game, if you make a bunch of snap decisions uh, and then recognize that like these snap decisions are going to cost you hours of work later on that might halt your project after yeah. you've like started it. So like I think it, I think it's important to at least keep in mind what you plan on doing
2: Mm-mm. and
0: uh, try to code like for those purposes.
2: Yeah. And that, that's a good point because it's a difference between implementation and design. Yeah. I think design is something that is, you should be more confident in mm-hmm. because cause it sets you on a path. Yes. And um, if you just do like, well, maybe it'll work like this if I click it or maybe it'll work like this, if I double click it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's not a great example, but like not knowing the answer to that um, is going to make, uh, then when you go back and fix that code, you're like, but should I also change how it works? Yeah. And and I think that can really lead you in the weeds and leave yep. you not certain what to do, especially when things are really dependent on other things. Yep, If it's just the code that's dependent on other code, as long as you know what it want, you want it to do, it's. I think it's a lot easier to act to make those snap decisions mm-hmm. to be like, well, I'm going to use, a, you know, an untyped array because whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, well, better, I'll make a, I'll make a proper, you know, like a, a, an enum or a class with the, with with members that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. But you can get to that later. Yeah. Um. You know. Oh, this, is, this doesn't render very efficiently, or oh, I accidentally created a million variables here <laughs> in a loop when I only needed to do one. Mm-hmm. Fine, but you can fix those things as long as your design has some. Isn't to say you should make all the decisions, but I feel that right. you probably want to police yourself a little bit more. Yeah, there. just
0: just to make sure that like down the line you don't have a bunch of work that you haven't done that you need to do later, because that might cause problems down the road. Yeah, and like halt your progress and make it you're making your game less fun to make and stuff. So like, just keep that stuff in mind. If you plan on possibly going in two directions, make sure your code kind of supports those, or at least it's not crazy to like you don't have to go in there and rip everything out to go in another direction yeah that's yeah. all and i'm i'm sure you're probably doing the right thing, at least a little bit i hope so <laughs> so um uh what about the art in your game like i love your art <laughs>
1: oh thanks
0: <laughs> well
1: what i've been doing is like whenever i'm thinking of something i'll just i don't know how how have i been doing the art because each of these pieces that I have in the game right now are were drawn at different times.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: These are all things that I hand drew. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I was I scanned them all in quickly, and then it, they're not all exactly what I had planned. Sure. So they're sort of developer art, even though they're they are concept art, basically. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I've been drawing stuff for a couple months now, just like, and then I'm like, oh, I should like think about how this characters going to look or how how I want the backgrounds to look or whatever. Yeah. So, um, when I was putting this together, I was like, well, I want to start out, I do want to have something like things that look like what I want it to look like. So, I just quick grab like went upstairs and grabbed those sketchbooks and mm-hmm. just scanned them in. <laughs> oh, awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. So, well, that's good cuz like you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time. We, we we talked about this a little bit on the show with the with the programmer episode. Mm-hmm. But like you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time making your stuff. You just need to make sure that the proof of concept is there. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. yeah, all of those sketches and stuff and scanning those in that just makes it so much easier. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And then you like have an idea on like the style of the game, the art style of the game. That's mm-hmm. good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, not knowing how much you're going to change. Just what I'm looking at and the two things I really like adore about this art style is one that the perspective cheats. I think that's really g- good for the game you're making. Mm-hmm. Like it has that kind of like, um, it's flat, but there's still dimension in a way that is not, it, it's, it, it feels unique and interesting to me. And I really like that a lot. Um, and then the other thing is the, the, sort of the, the felt tip marker kind of, uh, shading, which may have been a result of you just sketching it quickly, but it, it really is an interesting style that really holds up as a, all together. Yeah. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know how much of that is going to move on or how much of that is core idea, but it's what I really love about it right now.
1: Ah, well, I mean, the sketchiness of it is definitely because I was like, I'm just drawing with my markers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is sort of, I've have a very like clear vision of what scenes I want, but not necessarily what the, like what exact style I want them to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll keep some of the, some of the, um, I liked when you said, oh, it, it looks like a, like a coloring book. Yeah. And I sort of like, the, like, that's one of the. Sort of inspiration. I want it to be sort of cute.
2: And what's that, I think um, I I know a lot of traditional animators, and the trend in like modern animation and what cute means is is kind of samey right now. And I look at this and I think that this is this is a different idea of cute, and I'm glad to see it. You know what I mean? Because I think it's um, it is it has kind of, it does it feels like what was cute when I was a kid, and that <laughs> I, I haven't seen that in a while.
1: <laughs> so how like when. You guys started your games. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, how did, what did you start with?
0: Uh, an engine I was not familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I started with. Uh, I mean, initially, well, I, I've told the story of Fingent in the past, so look up another episode to find out. I don't remember which episode it is. Any other episode. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> um... But, um, initially the plan was just me and Charles wanted to work on a game. So we like kind of just do things and Charles was familiar with Unity. So, and I had messed with Unity very little, but enough where I was like, okay, sure. Everyone's doing it. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's a good reason to do anything, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so that's why that's how I started. Uh, but like we really just started with the, the the game plan, the mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and then built additional stuff on top of that when we figured out what other things we kind of wanted that fell in line with this game um, with like, with widget satchel. Uh, how did we come up with widget satchel? How did we start that? You know, it's funny. Cause I, I think about it, like, I'm trying to like trace the,
2: um, the providence of all the different concepts there. Yeah. And it was really, we did it very quickly. Yeah. And as a group, yes, I don't think any discrete idea belonged to anybody. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's I, a collaborative effort. I don't think I mean, it could have been, but I don't remember that being. And what I liked about it is that we had a couple of things that we decided early on that we stuck to yeah. and that was important and that made us efficient. yeah. And that's one of the things it's like, I don't want to talk about like design questions. Like um, we did a, that's kind of one of the reasons I'm still excited about that project. And I'm, I feel really, really strongly about it is because mm-hmm. I feel like we did it right. yeah, And not because we're awesome, but because part of it is we I got mean, lucky. We I mean, we awesome. <laughs> But like we, we just uh, under the gun, we, we, we did it and yeah. I, and I, I i'm i'm just happy you know what i mean we yeah, yeah. We, we pulled it off totally. in that that initial pre-production kind of idea and i think that still we still have like arguments about certain elements going forward that are unanswered or design questions about certain power ups sure, yeah, right. but like it's all it we still go back to the original idea and what we had and and i think that's really strong cuz yeah. it can be I know that working on Metro Nexus, it took a long time for me to really settle on what it was. Mm -hmm. Well, I was already working on it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not efficient. Uh, Luckily, that was years ago when I was just doing it randomly. Once every couple months or so, I would go back to it a little bit. So I'm okay with wandering in, in the woods at that time. Yeah, But I think... Certainly, I would never start a game like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think the way we did Midget Satchel, I definitely wanted, would want to be more certain about design questions. Yeah. And certainly open to having those things changed as stuff comes up or stuff mo- uh, uh, alters. But yeah. Um, but yeah, Metro Nexus was very much a slow rolling down a like a, a rock you know, gathering moss as it yeah. <laughs> rolls very slowly down a hill. And then yeah. shedding it as it goes a little faster. And then, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that at the end of the day, and it, it sounds like this is definitely what you're doing, Martha, is just figure out what it is. I've, I've said this like so many times, I yeah. swear. Figure out what it is you want to do, and then do that. <laughs> but figure it out first, before you do it. Because otherwise, you're just doing random things. Yeah, And you can't come to Because it's really hard to make decisions um, on things later on when you've made all these decisions, and you're like, oh, would it be so much harder to fix this stuff? But man, I think it'd be better if we did it this way. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have made a decision on your stuff, then like you can just tell future self shut up do the thing you said you're going to yeah.
2: do <laughs> yeah we've definitely said it on the show a bunch of times yeah. the idea of like you know not all your ideas uh, you can do even though pretty much all of your ideas are good mm. and so you will constantly have good ideas mm-hmm. but you have to compare them against what what you want to do yes. right the sort of core concept yeah. and if your great idea doesn't fit with that perfectly then you should really think about just putting it on a shelf mm-hmm. and that is so much easier said than done like, really. Yeah, um, but also, like, when you talk about uh, coming up with something and doing it, I think when you, when you start building, like, when you start putting together the first structure of your code, right. um, it really, and we're very uh, lucky in that we have this community that we tell each other this all the time, mm. but I think a lot of people, when they start making games, they don't appreciate the design process is separate from the development process. Yeah. And that sounds so, like, obvious to us now, but I didn't know that. Sure. When yeah. I started working on Metro Nexus. Like, and it's like, how did I not know that? It's like, well, I, there was no... You know, I, I knew that there were people who worked on games who didn't program like that's obvious. You know, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just like there are, you know, in, in other fields, there are the the, the idea people, right, which yeah. which will condescendingly refer to. But um, I, I think it it was interesting to realize, oh, right. I can just write down what I want it to do instead of starting to code what I, and, and do that all that do that all at the same time. Right. Um, and I think that's uh, it's it's not the easiest lesson to learn, but it feels yes. so obvious once you've learned it.
0: Yeah, there's like a little bit of a mystery in, in how uh, game development works in that. Like when I was growing up, I always thought you had to be either a programmer or an artist, but there's so many other different fields. And design is one of those fields. Mm-hmm. Design is an important process in game development that like is separate from the development that people don't know about. But, you know, there are lots of ways. I mean, sort of to your question, because I think that now that it's it's
2: it's been a couple of years and I've made a couple of game jam games and I've done mm-hmm. worked on other prototypes mm-hmm. and I, I have my one big game and I now have enough different stories of how I started on a thing. And sometimes it is like, I want it to look like this or I am interested in this mechanic. There yeah. is no one way to start a project, totally. you know? Um, and in the case of like, you are specifically inspired by those spy Fox games. You want it to feel like that. Right. And that's, that's sort of your lodestone. That's what you're, you go to. And um, when I started Metro Nexus, it was very specifically me learning a new engine as well, mm. uh, the Citrus engine, which is the library I use uh, in, in my game. Um, and just saying, well, I want to make a game that's, that's like City Connection. And then it just grew so much past that. But that's where I started. Yeah. Right? And that's, but I would never start a game like that anymore where I would make a clone and build on it. I don't feel like that's my design process. It just happened to be then. And it happens to be my biggest project right now.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. I've been realizing that my, one of my other inspirations has been there's these puzzle books I used to have mm uh the use you use born you you born i don't know how to pronounce the company but their puzzle adventures and or junior puzzle adventures or something like that Mm -hmm. they had all the it was puzzle dungeon and puzzle castle and puzzle island and (laughs) um like their art style was super cute and you also had to i don't know it was just each page had it was an adventure and the character would go through and you would have to solve puzzles before you turn the page.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, um,
1: and it was really fun. And I think I've just been realizing as we've been talking about it and also like thinking about my art style and the different story beats that I've been doing. Like that's one of the bigger inspirations I think. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> There's something fun about just dis- like uh, discovering your own uh, process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: things you did without thinking like, Oh, that's where that came from.
1: Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Like starting the game, like helps you figure out bit about bits about yourself.
1: I just feel good now that I'm I'm not a total hypocrite. I have a game <laughs> de- development podcast, and I'm also actually developing a game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's the other thing that, and you've talked about this before, is like that once you've started, <laughs> it's so much yeah. easier to keep going. Yeah. yeah, it's actually getting it down right. It's uh yeah. like everyone wants to write the Great American Novel. They have the they have the tagline in their head and they just, it's like that first page is, it doesn't, it's, it's not itself an accomplishment, but it represents a threshold that suddenly makes everything else easier. If you're serious about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and that's, that's exciting. I mean, it, it, to then be on the other side of that wall. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Having something tangible is, is, is a lot. Yeah. That's why I've been trying, like whenever I, whenever I do a game jam now, I'm going to make sure I get a pro- a prototype of this game ready the first day right right because like just seeing that is 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 immensely valuable just because like you have a thing right right you did something <laughs> in only a few hours yeah but you know and we you know we've we've
2: dispensed a little bit of advice on 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 what is what is good and what to watch out for yeah but the main thing is just start yes right yeah definitely just start yeah Wouldn't you say, Martha? Yeah. We've been bothering you about that for months.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Finally listened to your advice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's your advice too. I mean, you didn't disagree. It's It's just, it's It's harder. That's the thing. It's harder than it sounds. It's, um. That's true. uh, You do do have to keep reminding yourself. It's not as easy as just following the advice. It takes some time. Yeah. For sure.
0: Well, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. And be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. You can uh, also give us feedback on our feedback form. Where can people find that? NiceGames.club slash feedback. That's right. (laughs) We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at niceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice
1: and make nice.